0: Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet." But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot, and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen.
1: Do you see a parallel running through the parables? Is Jesus going to, as a rule, talk about faith versus unbelief and then suddenly start talking about faithful believer versus unfaithful believer? Wouldn't that be a little weird? Wouldn't you think that that would be a little much to ask of us to be able to pick out which one he's talking about? I think so. In Matthew 22, Jesus entered and spoke to them again. Who is he speaking to? Who is it that just realized that he was talking to them in the previous chapter? Chief priests and and, and scribes and Pharisees, we could say. Chief priests and Pharisees. Were these guys believers or unbelievers? Unbelievers. Jesus answered and spoke to them. He didn't leave the scene and go find a different crowd to talk to. He's talking to the same guys. Don't ever let chapter divisions rob you of the context. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. This sounds familiar. Who is the king? It's God the Father. Who is the Son? Jesus Christ. Who is the bride? The church. By the way, is the bride mentioned in here? How come he always leaves out the bride? He always leaves out the bride. Because the bride isn't around yet. Okay? Remember? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, that she may be without spot and without blemish, that he might present her, all of her. You don't marry a woman and then say, I like everything but your nose, let's cut it off. That he might present her to himself as a spotless bride. Verse three, He sent out his servants to call those who were invited. By the way, another way of translating the word invited, called. They were called. He sent out his servants to those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Sound like Matthew 23, 37? How often I would have gathered you together, but you were not willing. Again, I mean, this guy is very patient. He sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fattened cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. I have to correct one thing. The word dinner is not dinner. It is breakfast. This is important. This is not the wedding feast yet. Why not? The bride hasn't showed up. You know, when Jesus spoke, there was a reason for everything he said. What they did in the ancient world was that they would have a wedding and the bridegroom would come and take the bride who would run out with her trousseau or her uh, hope chest. They would go to the place prepared. She would dress herself up. And then they would come to the wedding feast. Meanwhile, the guests are showing up through the day. And they had people who were preparing, the tables were set up, the whole place was decorated, and the guests are arriving. And when you arrive, you didn't stand around outside saying, man, I didn't know I was gonna get here three hours early. You were taken in and there was food for you. And the word that is used here is a word for the early meal. We would call it a brunch somewhere around early lunch, and you would feast and drink through the day. And by the way, the oxen and the fat, fatted cattle are killed, and that means they are being prepared. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. Sound familiar? Do you see a parallel running through the parables? Verse 7, when the king heard about it, he was furious. He sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. What happened to Jerusalem? God sent an army to destroy the city. Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. Verse 8, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. What is the difference between not being worthy here and not being worthy in Matthew chapter 8? as the centurion. They're all unworthy, and one realizes it, and the others don't. They're all unworthy, and one, because of his unworthiness, turns to faith, and the others don't. They were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways. Some translations say the highways and the byways. This means the side roads. Go down the gravel roads. As many as you find, invite to the wedding in another uh, passage the parable talks about they went out and they got the crippled and the maimed and the halt and the blind in other words these are not the the normal guests that you would pick and jesus uses that analogy because in the mind of the jewish people of his time the gentiles as one rabbi said are fit only to ignite the flames of hell so jesus said oh you want to picture them that way i'll picture them that way here's a guy who's blind this guy's crippled uh here's a guy who is uh, death bring him in that's exactly what he did so the servants went out on the highways and they gathered together all whom they found both bad and good this is bad and good in human estimation god knows that all of us are bad and that there's only one thing that makes us good and that's christ the wedding hall was filled with what Does your translation say the wedding hall was filled with the bride? Do you think Jesus got his theology mixed up? Is the guest and the bride the same thing? By the way, are the friends of the bridegroom and the bride the same thing? What did John the uh, baptizer call himself? He said, I am the friend of, in other words, I'm the best man. And I am inviting you to the wedding feast. And I rejoice at the sound of the bridegroom's voice. Did John mention the bride? Why didn't John mention the bride? He didn't know who she was. Because it was a mystery. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who didn't have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend... How did you come in here without a wedding garment? By the way, according to the custom of the day, it was the king's responsibility to provide the guest with a wedding garment. What would you suppose the wedding garment is a picture of? I would suggest imputed righteousness. And here is a guy without a wedding garment. This will create problems for you for a minute, which I'll resolve. The man was speechless. So the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Would you suggest, since we're in Matthew 22, that the outer darkness, the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in this passage would refer to the same thing it refers to in Matthew 25? Would that not be reasonable to assume? We have to distinguish the things that must be distinguished and we have to correlate the things that have to be correlated verse 14 for many are but few are who are called all who are chosen those who respond to the call Jesus right here is interpreting for us the meaning of election Paul puts it in this way in Ephesians 1:4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world this is not god playing eeny meeny and saying this one goes to heaven i love him i love him not i love this one i love him not when god chose christ to go to the cross for sinful men he automatically chose all who would be in christ is that difficult to understand And God in his omniscience, did he know the name of each and every one of those people from the beginning of history to the end of time who would believe? Of course.